from our own little hole in the Great Wall, where Facebook and Google can never find us. This week, Andy and I discuss the tech landscapes of both China and the US, including where China lags or has surpassed the US, censorship in both political arenas, and where not to run when Twitter decides you're persona non grata. Welcome to The Stack. My first experience with uh, what I guess became the Great Firewall of China was in 2004. So the first time that I went to China, which is not not that long ago, but arrived in, in Beijing and tried to, I had graduated from college, but was still using my, my college email account as my, my primary, primary one and did, you know, went to go check my email and it just, it just didn't work. And no, no websites related to my university worked and other, other colleges worked, other, everything was, was like fine, but like mine wouldn't. And so I had kind of panicked and was able to uh, set up Yahoo and even like through Yahoo do whatever it took, you know, to, to, to move stuff from the mail server over. So I was still not missing anything, but it was just a weird experience. And somebody uh, in, in the, the research group that I was going with who happened to have gone to the same university, I guess had been warned. And so she had set things up beforehand, but it, it was a weird thing that then like, you know, uh, two years later was not replicated. The university was open up and I, I, to this day have no idea why, that was that was happening. Um, I, I lived there much longer in Beijing in, in basically in the entirety of 2006. And at that time, it was actually like pretty free. Everybody could use Facebook or whatever. Uh, Google was had carte blanche and, and things were fairly open. So but then by the time that I came back to live there in 2010, it was a completely different picture. So, um, you know, I guess I, I've seen the entire growth of that protective network. And then over the last several years, gotten a little bit more aware about the domestic replacements for a lot of these services. But I think you probably know a lot more about them than I do. So so Baidu is a replacement for Google, you know, Baba, WeChat, I mean, WeChat is something that is, you know, sort of completely taken over. Yeah. WeChat is pretty much everything aside. Well, let me let me let me um, explain this for people. WeChat is the app that does pretty much everything on your phone, which is to say you do your communication with it. You make your payments with it. And I, I don't just mean, you know, the gas bill and the electricity bill. I also mean that any store that you go into you show a code they scan it and either you've got some money either you've got some money saved on the app or it's connected directly to your uh, bank via your via your credit card so it's a pretty automatic thing and um, you you get these you, you it, it makes uh, life very convenient because you know even on my I'm actually wearing right now I'm wearing a sports band and my it's a Huawei brand sports band so if I if I just click my sports band, it brings, you know, I can flick to Alipay. The QR code and, or whatever. Uh, yeah, it's, it's just a, a barcode that, mm-hmm. you know, they can scan the, the barcode um, directly. So it's, a very, it's very convenient. Um, QQ and QQ, uh, sorry, excuse me. WeChat and Alipay, all these things make life very convenient. So that, there's that aspect. And then there's, as you said, the replacement for Google, which is Baidu. 
And um, Baidu has a pretty much everything that Google does. And they also have um, the R&D, which is both in China and in Silicon Valley. I don't know if they, I don't know if everyone's still there, but um, I think that, do you know, um, what's his name? Andrew Ng? Yeah, the guy from Stanford. Uh, he used to, right, yeah. He's the, he's the one who did all those, uh, the machine learning videos where he was flying helicopters upside down and that kind of thing. Um, pretty sure he went to uh, work for. He was there. Yeah, he he ran he ran their AI uh, research group for for a few years. I think he's he's since uh, let go. I mean, actually, it's funny. Uh, Google themselves now. So, so everybody thinks that um, Google is out of out of China, um, and that is true in the product sense. Um, you know, so so Lee, Lee Kai Fu is an interesting guy. He was running Google China for years. It was it was active, and then in around 2010, uh, there was a controversy over um, access to email that the uh, Gmail that the government was requesting or getting, and so they and and the government demanding to have servers located domestically. So Google started to route things through Hong Kong. The government didn't like that and shut it down. Anyway, so yeah. At this point, it is, and we can talk about this later. It's it's generally prohibitively difficult to use Google uh, in mainland China. Um, however, it's a major source of revenue for them because there's a lot of advertising money that comes out of China trying to advertise to uh, to the U.S. And so there's actually a very large business presence there. They've actually also um, hired a lot of uh, AI researchers in Beijing, which has become really um, one of the major uh, places for AI innovation, I think for, for a number of reasons, uh, partly because once you start to get the critical mass of talent, you start to um, get make it more and more attractive. Um, but also there's been a lot more progressive, to use a word perhaps ill-advisedly, but um, regulatory environment for things like uh, automated driving and stuff in China. And so, so there's, there's much more, many more ways to make uh, business cases there. So, so even Google, even, even Western companies, just like you mentioned, Baidu has their research center. Huawei has their design center in Silicon Valley, everything. They've all, they've all done that. They're not great places to work, but they're there. But but even the uh, the Western companies have started hiring talent locally uh, in China. The the point of the point of bringing that up was to say that everything that America has or the West has, there's some satisfactory counterpart in China that people probably haven't heard of. For instance, if you say uh, if you Uber somewhere, you know it's it's become sufficiently widespread or well known that that's become a verb like Googling. Mm. Whereas the same is the case for Didi in in um, China. So Didi is the the counterpart of Uber or Lyft in China. Yeah. And do, uh, Uber Uber actually was in China for they a while. They were. Uh, and they, I can remember yeah. I can I can remember the war. Yeah. Yeah, you, you talk about it. You probably know more about it than I do. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I think they, they, it, this is played out in a few different markets, but uh, Uber was there. I, I don't think Lyft was, but you know, you, usually you have a uh, a duopoly in most markets, at least of the two, two major major players. This is you know true in Russia. I think most of Europe, and uh, then they are not not profitable, but they 
and and they compete a lot, you know, like you described it as a war. Baidu had made a pretty significant investment in Uber China. Uh, so so they, they were on one side and then I think it was Tencent on, uh, backing up Didi, though I, I'm not sure about that. But it was, you know, you, you have this a lot and we can talk about it a little bit more, but in these service apps, usually you have Alib- the three big BAT, Baidu, Alibaba, Tencent, shuffling around as supporting two different sides of a duopoly of, of these services, whether it's like food delivery or whatever. But getting back to the ride sharing, Baidu had been on the side of Uber China. You know, some of the others were on 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 Didi's side. And I think the government stepped in. It was partly because the taxi driver unions are so strong. They did not want to have a uh, competitive war that was driving prices down and messing up with the livelihoods of uh, of, of taxi drivers. And so they, uh, they, they stepped in and they forced a merger between them that I think wasn't super favorable to, to Uber there. And it ended up getting Uber out of the market entirely. So so yeah, so that that's that's what happened there. I think there's there's like some other services like Shen, Shenzhou, right? That's like a higher end car, uh, you know, or, ordering service. I, but I've used Didi uh, a bunch in in China, and because I bought it on a U.S. phone, its default is like a, a, the English version, and it actually kind of works fine. They they have an automatic translation thing, so. If if I send a text message to the driver in English, it gets transfer, you know, uh, translated into Chinese for him, and vice versa. So that actually is pretty sophisticated, and I've found that it's the wait times. I I almost always have used it in Shenzhen. I don't know if I've ever used it in Shanghai, um, but it's uh, you know you just wait. You know, usually the wait times are not that bad, and it avoids also just kind of having to have a conversation with the taxi driver about where you want to go and everything. But yeah, I can I can remember when the war was kicking off. They they had huge, I mean, just unbelievable discounts for for the service. Right uh, between the two, you could you could get you could get you could you could get a a DD for like the same price as a San Luncha, mm-hmm. which is. Um, you know, three wheel, three wheel. Uh, what do they call them in English? Um, uh, like a rickshaw. rickshaw I guess. But a, yeah, they get called rickshaws. Yeah, it's but like to a, me, a rickshaw. Is something you pull by, like you know, on the like yeah, backbreaking yeah, yeah. labor. Yeah. Uh, San Luncha's. Uh, it just means pedicab. 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 Those yeah, three wheel yeah. electric. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, or what? What? What are the? What do you? If you want to call one, you say. Uh, oh God. Um, Anyway, it doesn't matter. Yeah, I, I'm going on a tangent here, but the the point was you could get it get it for practically the same price. And what I've seen that happened there was uh, that market, and and those are kind of iconic in in China. I sure. think that in in pretty much any city you see those guys everywhere. I still see them, but uh, you used to see them as if they were a taxi stand, and mm. that that barely happens anymore. So they they I think that that whole competition drove out a lot of those little. Uh, three three wheel electric bicycle whatever you want to call it yeah um, guys so anyway there's that there's also well the, the funniest f- I mean you know anything yeah, the, that you well, have- the, the funniest story that I heard about that like subsidy war time and I think this was like 2014 2015 but like yeah they were they were doing a lot to try to get customers they were doing a lot to try to get drivers and so one of the because uh, so the drivers were getting the full payment and basically the company the the you know the venture capital or whatever was was eating up the losses and so what they would do is like your your buddy would sign up to be a driver and 
he would just drive around near your office and you would click and like order the ride, um, not pay anything for it. And he would come and like, you know, pick you up, but not actually pick you up. You would just keep working and he would drive around and then like wait for you to do it again. <laughs> like, you know, and just like keep on getting like a hundred quiet subsidies or whatever for doing it. I probably not the most efficient use of your time, but it was just like crazy schemes like that because there's just money being poured on the ground to try to get this industry going. Yeah. Same with the bicycle thing. Yeah, I mean, that Just became a complete pouring out, shit show. Pouring out yeah. huge amounts of money to, yeah. Mordi, that's what I was trying to think of. Mordi, that's what they're called. Mordi, Mordi. That's what you say when you want one of those sandwich yeah. show guys to come pick you up. Anyway, so the the whole point of this discussion is to say that every every thing that you have in America has, because of the Great Firewall, not because of the Great Firewall, but because China's, I, I guess, got their own market inside the Great Firewall, you get all of these sort of, these apps that, yeah. that um I, I would their even counterpart in the West. I would even flip that around. I mean, I, I think that you're you're totally true. So you, you earlier you um you misspoke and you called it uh, Q, QQ, right? So so QQ is the where Tencent, the company, like came out of. That was the first product, and it was a complete ripoff of ICQ, like a messaging system. And that was mm. basically how Chinese internet was and Chinese product development was for a long time. It was just like, okay, let's find a business model in that's kind of taking off in the West and rip it off, throw on some Chinese, you know, appearing layer on it and just do that, right? And so you had like Renren as the ripoff of Facebook. Baidu certainly ripped off the aesthetics of Google. Uh, Robin Lee had himself worked for Yahoo, I think, before. Yeah, so he was bringing all of that know-how over. Uh, Alibaba is kind of its its own thing, but it was really, I think, eBay, right, was, was the big inspiration at first. But, you know, doing that, but I think that, uh, let's say, in the last half decade, if not a little bit longer, it really came into its own and and flipped around where many things are much more advanced in China than outside of it. So so payments is a is a oh, yeah. really big one. So like starting three years ago, I mean, whenever I would go to China for work when I wasn't living there and I would come back home, it would be with a ton of paper money that I had now no use for for several months until I was going to be going back. I don't, I mean, I barely have touched paper money in the last few years. You, you, you probably haven't either, despite living there. So, so that that's a, a huge one. Like, yeah, I mean, like Apple Pay or whatever. It's a sideshow. You 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 don't do you don't have that same sort of ease of integration. It's gotten a little bit better in the U.S., but it's nowhere nowhere near at the same level. And like now with COVID, they've started to amp up some of the like food delivery and food ordering things. But it's it's really, really not the same. Uh, now, a lot of it is enabled by the fact that there is still almost a limitless supply of very cheap labor in especially in Chinese cities. So, you know, you could probably right now as we're talking, it's whatever close to close to seven at night, get on your phone and order a single beer and it will be brought to your house maybe lukewarm, not ice cold, but, you know, in a few minutes, right? <laughs> you know, but it's like, uh, right. you know, you, you could do that. You know, you could say, I, I want like a single bar of ice cream or something stupid like that. And they're like, just do it. I I try to order like 
uh, I, I actually did just to be decadent ordered uh, an ice cream delivery the other day and it was like a minimum order uh, I was not the only one eating it but it was like a minimum order of 12 or 15 dollars in order to get it delivered and so then you have to you know you end up at like 20 plus a tip so it was like 23 dollars for some you know and like it did come quickly because you know but it was 20 minutes which would be unacceptable i think probably the driver would get like the death penalty or beaten joking about the death penalty yeah, but probably right. would get beaten for like not getting it on time i mean those guys it sucks i mean and you know going back to that like ai conversation the chinese company i mean they've design these like apps on those like delivery guys side um because they're gps tracked and everything if you don't get a delivery there in time like you don't get paid you know you're paid by the job um you're an out of work iron miner or something who's now in the city doing this um and oh, yeah so, there was a yeah. there was a big pushback recently about taking dangerous side side you know, roads and uh, shortcuts and things like that in these right. apps because they're trying to get the guys there faster. Yeah. there's actually, There has been um, sort of a social pushback because you see these guys, oh my God. No, yeah. It's so, um, it's hard. It's really like heartbreaking to watch the delivery guys, especially like in the, the heat of summer. Mm-hmm. Because as you say, they have they have these sort of ex- extremely narrow time, time frames and they also have a very sort of narrow their their pay you know the the pay that they that they get for for doing this is is um based on performance yeah right so it's yeah so it's performance based and and they're trying to get there you know under 15 or 20 or 30 minutes or whatever it is and um they're just very harried all the time you know you can tell that they're very they're sweating and uh, all this kind of thing right well i think i mean the the, gov- the government has been pretty like accommodating to it until recently because like you know in the 1990s there was a massive uh labor restructuring so tons of guys in their 40s and 50s and i i do mean i mean it was mostly men because it was mostly from like industry were like made redundant overnight so it was like tens of millions hundreds of millions of people out of work and it was like they were able to absorb it at that time because the country was much poorer. But now as they've been trying to make some of those industries uh, more efficient, get rid of overcapacity and stuff like steel and you know mining and things like that, you had to let go a lot of labor. And even if these guys were not in those jobs, um, they were displaced by the whole system. And so this has really absorbed a lot of that so you know these men can have a livelihood uh even though it's very punishing uh so the government accommodated it because it was keeping them afloat a little bit i think there has my observation is like there is more regulatory scrutiny on it because they don't i mean the the chinese government call it what it is i mean it is very paternalistic in a lot of ways and so when it gets to a certain point they'll step in and say okay no this is this is not okay and some of the developments on looking at the uh anti-monopoly type rules and things and what's gone on with jack ma over the last several weeks i i think do tie into this where the government is now saying okay 
we have enabled this growth of a really strong domestic industry. And that was the whole point of it. It was like import substitution. It was like, we're going to keep Google out. We're going to keep Amazon, whoever out in order to build our own things. This failed in a lot of traditional industries like in automobiles, but it worked here. So you've been able to do a lot. And now, you know, the the tables are going to turn for a little while and we've got to make sure that some of the gains that you've made are more equitably distributed in society. That That's like a very generous view that I can give to what they're doing. But yeah. Yeah. To add to that, I, I, I think what uh, maybe what you're saying is that that um, the hard that you need the ca- the capitalistic side to get the to get the technology Right. Uh, to 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 do the the R and D and all that stuff, and once once the problems are solved, the industry is totally mature. Now we've got to stop treating, you know, Chinese people like Amazon uh, employees. Yeah, <laughs> we've got to treat them like. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you, yeah. I mean, they they at least want to. I mean, uh, get get social benefit. You know, basically regularize the employment things like that. I think everything, a lot of things that have happened in the uh, Western, let's say like specifically just talk about the US tech space have been magnified over there. I mean, here in the United States, there's a lot of controversy over collusion between uh, firms on hiring people. So uh, informal agreements in Silicon Valley not to hire programmers from each other. And so as a way to suppress wages, like absolutely that has happened in China. And even like working as a developer for a Tencent or an Alibaba is, yeah, it's a really hard job. I mean, you get paid fairly well in some roles. If you're at a globally competitive skill level, you might get the same, relatively the same uh, salary as you would in, in basically any developed market. But Man, I mean, like you're probably working like 18 hour days and like not goofing off in the ball pit like you would at the Google campus. I mean, it's just like in a salt mine. Um, So, so yeah, there's, there's, there's lots of these things. And, you know, I I think the, the biggest difference with Chinese technology, this kind of Chinese tech industry and the Silicon Valley is there. There is really limited uh, personality behind it. You know, you don't have someone like um, Mark Zuckerberg or even like a Bill Gates. I mean, Jack Ma at Alibaba is fairly unique in my view in that way as he's somebody that's out there as a unusual and eccentric personality, like doing the dancing and stuff at their um, Alibaba meetings and everything and, and almost irreplaceable, whereas anywhere else like Robin Lee at Baidu or Pony Ma at Tencent um, a they're much more technical I mean Jack Ma I don't even know if he knows how to use a computer um, so their personality is very different but they're just like they're not out there they're not in the media I don't know that many people in the uh, outside of China even could recognize them I don't even know if I could recognize them you know and I've followed these companies for a long time um, so I think there's that. And then, you know, they're, they're just, they're obviously not politically involved, you know? And so, so they're not, um, certainly like Weibo is not dropping people from the platform because they have any sort of view on, um, the political content or whatever of what people are saying. I mean, they, that, that sort of decision is outsourced from them to the government. So it's, it's just a very different space. Right. Yeah. Well, speaking of that, so this, I mean, this is kind of like, a 
tech inside the firewall versus outside the firewall. Speaking of the who who's doing the censoring in in China, as you say, um, censorship is is outsourced to the to the government, and you will you will you will see occasionally um, some zealousness, which is you know in in times where a company perceives that the the government is cracking down, they will they'll sort of like front run. Uh, the government and sometimes themselves do th- you you often see these crazy things in western media like um i don't know they're uh, taking all the christmas you know all the the christmas christmas stuff down from uh qq or whatever right and a, a lot of that is just trying to 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 appease before before anything comes out and then nothing comes out from the government there's you know like no guidance on this right. it's just them but for the most part for the for the most part that stuff is totally outsourced to the government and uh it's it's completely the opposite i guess uh from the the western company way of doing things and so this kind of brings us to this week yeah. which is uh the west the western way of doing things we've now seen Boy, if you thought if you thought China was an authoritarian country, right? You know, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's very different, right? So, so in China, you have a couple of different layers. Uh, one is uh, the self censorship level. So, and that that's a response to everything else that goes on. So, I'll come back to it. But um, then, yeah, there's an expectation that companies will uh, build things into their their processes to eliminate uh, content that will kind of raise any concerns. But yeah, there is from the Public Security Bureau and the responsible offices, there's going to be people on staff monitoring, uh, like literally uh, working alongside parts of your company to ensure that content is monitored and everything correctly. So there is there is a pretty significant like apparatus around that. But to your point, usually it doesn't even get to the point of it. So it's, you know, and, and the way that it's applied can be kind of interesting. Like during uh, the COVID crisis, you know, I, I'm in like one WeChat group and it is uh, family related. And so we're having like pretty like frank discussions of COVID and everything that was going on, nothing would happen. But uh, one of the members, uh, he is in his profession, he's not famous, but I mean, like he has like several thousand followers or whatever because of the business that he's in. And he said something about, and it was, I think like actually incorrect. So it was factually incorrect. So the response was perhaps justifiable you know, spreading misinformation. And uh, he got booted from that like professional account for seven days, you know, and so so it's like, um, that they, their attention is mostly on those that can cause problems by what they're saying. Like if you are in a uh, person, you know, one on one chat on WeChat and say stuff within certain limits, like that are very expansive, nothing's going to happen to you. But if you become more and more famous than the boundaries get a lot clearer and a lot a lot more narrow. Yeah, but the response to this, like especially in those like smaller groups, is a lot of language using kind of the classic uh, Chinese style of punning um, or using character, you know, words that sound the same. So and some of these have gotten famous in the West, like, um, you know, so so the big under uh, the previous president, Hu Jintao, his big uh, 
sort of catchphrase was uh, the 和谐社会, so the harmonious society. Um, and it became like a joke of like, you know, Bechosia is to be censored, to become harmonized, it's to become censored. Um, but you can't even like make that joke. And so they would, uh, instead of writing harmonious, you write Hosia, um, which is the um, river crab, right? And so you'd have that as the word that you use. Um, and, you know, other things that you would, you know, replace like Taunima, you know, for... And that's like a very vulgar term in Chinese, but it rhymes with um, the grass mud horse um, and having these kind of like right. a parallel language. Now, then then the regulators obviously are not idiots and they're very online, you know, and so they they figure it out. And so there's a cat and mouse game between these things. But, you know, and and you're starting to see that a little bit in the West where there are ways to. Um, talk about things without, you know, kind of obliquely, um, without, again, and this is uh, very little of this comes from the government, but from other parts of authority. And we can talk about the merits and demerits of that. But, you know, if you sort of, um, you know, talk about things in a certain way, you're much less likely to trigger entering into anybody. But I, yeah, I, I've been very interested in without getting political on it, troubled by uh, not even as much the removal of President Trump from Twitter, but how expertly they seem to have uh, knocked out the rungs below him, uh, where it was very targeted, I think, at those that they had constructed the social connections of certain accounts and uh, knew with precision where to strike. And I think that's, even if it were kind of on the other side of the political divide, a little bit troubling, where there's this kind of really, really precise social engineering that goes on. You mean sort uh, of yeah, I mean that, uh, that, knowing who his social graph was uh, well, and being exa- able to, exactly. to zap everybody who was... Well, it's like, it's like, you know, okay, so this person, you know, they know, all right, uh, what's the cascading effect down to, okay... You're you have like you know your twenty five followers, your friends and family. Okay, so you're not a problem. Again, this is the same as China, so you're not a problem. Um, but you follow, you know, this account, and you've been retweeting it, and we think that that's misinformation. And so, okay, where is that account getting its? If maybe it has like a thousand followers, well, that still isn't really quite at the threshold. But it's getting it all from this, like, you know, I don't know, whoever, uh, you know, columnist or something or internet personality who is, you know, really broadcasting much more. And so that's who we want to nail, you know, because we think that if we take this out, then we've eliminated the cascading effect. And it's the same as the brother-in-law, right? You know, where it's, okay, uh, this this is somebody who, by spreading misinformation, we think is going to cause what we call misinformation, okay? is going to cause an effect on like, you know, the sufficient number of people where we think that's a really bad social outcome. And so we're going to take him out of the picture for a little while uh, or permanently. And that is uh, a pretty significant thing to do. Yeah. So and clearly it had been researched very aggressively to to really know, know how to do it. Yeah. And then every every platform was able to act in unison all simultaneously, at once. Simultaneously, yeah. never, nothing strange about that. 
There is no such thing as a conspiracy, by the way. Humans right. never, <laughs> never act in unison. Um, yeah, there was a very strange one, uh, which is that we had a friend who who was kicked off of a service, a service that allows you to delete your tweets, a tweet deleting service. Right. And the reason that he was kicked off that service was because he he had liked he had liked uh, one of Ann Coulter's um, tweets one time, and he tried to use the service to delete his all of his tweets. It was a you know like a bulk tweet delete service and the tweet delete service said something to the effect you cannot uh delete you cannot use this service because we don't allow fascists to use our service right. that's really right. what it said and i just thought that right. was really really something you know so they they were able to or that you know just sort of a small service was able to uh kick him off of it for so you can you can kind of see like what what can happen to you uh, you know, it's it sounds as if we're being sort of extreme in 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 saying their idea of truth, but I think that anybody can can see that, or most anybody can see that liking a tweet by Ann, from Ann Coulter probably doesn't quali- qualify you as a fascist. I hope well, that I hope that I haven't been. I, I hope I'm not an extremist on this show by saying that probably isn't fascism. But um, yeah, I mean, it certainly is defining defining things pretty pretty expansively i mean you know and it, even even you just think about it um you know there was a time on twitter when you just used likes as a proxy bookmark right um and so right yeah just is that really the threshold that we're going to going to use i mean when when i use twitter um you know i i certainly was not even aware necessarily of what i was liking or not half the time so it's um yeah pretty pretty ridiculous yeah, well, just the fact that you know who Ann Coulter is, dear right. listener, that makes you a fascist. All right. Um, yeah. So, so what happened? What happened over the past week? Trump uh, gets kicked off of everywhere. It's, it's no, there's no point in even listing all the places he got kicked off of because he got kicked off of everything. But uh, it is it is worth saying some of the larger platforms that got deplatformed. So Parlay got kicked off. Apple. And Google Play, right? Um, right. So Parler's pretty much done. Well, they, yeah, they they also got let. I mean, so they got kicked off of uh, th- those. Are obviously very serious to be off of those choke points because you know that that's a real duopoly for for app downloads on mobile. I I don't even. Th- I mean, yeah, I don't even think there's any way to really get an app on uh an iphone without that i think there are ways on 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 uh android but the um you know yeah, so, android's so not that bad but side loading right. is hard right yeah side loading a, a, but, a but, apple is difficult yeah um, yeah, yeah i mean yeah. you'd you'd have to do it kind of like through um through the browser i think but the the um but then uh par- is it parlay i mean i we are francophiles so i think of parler i thought that's a beautiful but then is it, i heard it parlor i've never you know, u- I don't use garbage technology, so I don't know how it's Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and it, it is. It, it, let's be Sorry, clear. Parlay it, it, or Parler. Like, and, and I'm not here, like, say, I mean, like, Parlay is like, I'm just going to call it Parlay because I think it's dumb to call it Parlor. All right, go ahead. That's but it, it's I think like, it is. it is actually like a, like a bad, like, bad service. But like, but anyways, they got kicked off of um, AWS, Amazon Web Services. And like, that's a dagger because th- there's, 
it's a tri it's a oligopoly it's not a duopoly it's an oligopoly though i think right. google is not that big but i mean like between microsoft amazon and google for this hyperscaler cloud services is google or microsoft going to step up now and say oh like you know these guys got kicked off of aws because they're fascists let's we're going to give them business no they're not going to do that they're they're going to get like microsoft stores burned down or something so it, you know so there and then it, you know there's a comment from somebody i was like okay they're they're done and they were like no well they said no they're it's going to be really hard they're going to have to build their own it's like no they're they're not going to build their own data centers like you have no idea what that entails and so it's people don't realize like how these these choke points and once somebody can say like okay you don't do business there and then it goes into all right well we're not going to process payments for you because we're mastercard and we we're just make, taking the view that you can't do that or um we're we're banks and we're not going to do this so this sets a lot of precedents that it is really really difficult to um to get around and again, like it's for uh, stuff that I think we could say is like pretty like anodyne. I mean, Parler is just like trying to be uh, a Twitter alternative. Um, it's yeah. Well, sorry guys, it didn't happen for you, and it's not yeah. going to happen. No, that sounds that sounds cool, but that's the way it is, man. I you know I feel bad for them, but. Uh, well, I think I mean like yeah, it, the, yeah the, the service itself. I think like the 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 free market would have done its done its work there. Um, I I haven't even like bothered to look too much into it, but um, it's unclear yeah. where it's like uh, capital support even comes from. Um, and some like you know sort of uh, conservative personality like Dan Dan Bongino going around saying, I think um, that's it. Well, he, but he's like, yeah, he says like, I own it. It's like, no, that that's that's not how it works. I mean, there's no way that he has put up that that kind of money that it takes to um to do that. So, you know, and it, like I I tried to use it uh, once because somebody that I know had been like deplatformed from Twitter and was over there, so I wanted to follow them, and it was like completely unusable. So maybe it would have gotten yeah. there eventually, but well. Let me get on to Gab real quick. I mean, not get on Gab because that would be another terrible idea. But I mean, uh, let's talk about Gab. Yeah, Gab. I think you know Gab. Gab's another service, and and it has uh, it's been able to stand up just because they did at least take the the pre precaution of uh, decentralizing. Right. That is, they moved they moved what a couple of years ago to the Mastodon network, um, and so. I guess they're they're decentralized, but um, moving to the Mastodon network actually was not great for them because Mastodon, despite being decentralized, uh, their community, the community that sort of supports Mastodon is extremely – I mean the whole reason that Mastodon was set up in the first place was because they wanted, uh, they wanted journalists to be like more um, proactive against – or, you know, social media to be more proactive against people that they thought were Nazis or whatever. So it mm. wasn't a great idea in the first place. But the fact that they were decentralized allowed Gab to at least get on there, run on whatever servers they wanted to. But um, Mastodon then I'm, – I'm sort of doing this from memory so that it, it may not be the, uh, you know, exact God's honest truth. But it, it is built on another um, – uh, there there is an open source uh, framework yeah. under it. But – Anyway, it's a federated um, um, system, and 
the point is that that uh, they, yeah they can run on these these decentralized servers. However, the community just kind of shut them out of as much as possible and also yeah. uh, kept them from being able to use the apps. So they were so the apps were also a choke point for Gab. So that, like you know Mastodon wasn't allowing them um, to they were they were you know the 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 app support for Gab on Mastodon was sort of shut down. So there's another yeah. choke point for them. Yeah, I mean, I think Mastodon also something uh, like uh, shit like Mastodon. I think uh, at this point, it's like almost like a deprecated service too, and the only the two major users of it are um, Gab and then uh, like some like Japanese pedophile sites or something like that. It's like you know what if if that's what. If that's if that's the uh, epitaph that we'd like to put on Mastodon, I'm okay with that. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know any. I yeah, that's the epitaph. I, I'm very as I, I'm I'm a, I'm very much a snob about a couple of things. So like literature and my technology choices. Yeah. I'm very much. A, I'm otherwise I'm completely bourgeois and yeah. or maybe even prole in my taste. Yeah, I mean, when Ga- it comes Gab to Gab. I've technology. never used. I mean, its reputation is like you know totally toxic. Yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah, I don't want to just I, I just don't want to spend time with a bunch of a bunch of people who, you know, despite the fact that I I feel I, I, I sort of feel some political affinity for them. Uh, it's a bunch of Fed posting and losing. Mm-hmm. And you don't want to hang out with Fed posting losers. Sorry, Gab. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I feel like I'm making no friends today, but I, I'm, I'm really I'm very snobbish in my technology and, you know. What can I say? Sorry. I mean, I do Urbit, which is like yeah. of the highest quality. You're not going to go from from the steak of Urbit to the uh, chewed up hamburger of Gab or Parlor. <laughs> no. Um, anyway, the uh, uh, just a couple more real quick. The Donald.win, I believe, has been blocked quite a lot of places. But then uh, Reddit, I think, ended up going through and getting rid of all the other pro-Trump subreddits that had not yeah. already been crushed previously. Yeah. yeah, which is where the Donald Dot Win came from, anyway. They right. they sort of like ran away from Reddit. So there's nowhere safe. There's nowhere safe on the, the Reddit, Reddit. Reddit. Reddit made it. its turn like a while ago, right? That was. Um, I I I am not. Yeah, a they, so they kicked off. Yeah. They kicked off the Donald. Um, right. Yeah, I'm not either. That's that's yet another place that's just you know a hell world. But they did kick off. They there used to be some some you know the subreddit idea was actually not horrible in the sense that you before the sort of eternal September of Reddit when they started getting you know a deluge of people and before uh, what was her name Ellen Ellen Powell my, my favorite. Ellen Powell, before all that stuff, you could find some good subreddits. Like, for instance, uh, the China subreddit used to be good before the moderators went insane. Right, right. You know, you could get some interesting information. And we even have some friends, I think, who used to be sort of like, or used to be mods there back in the day. But uh, yeah, that one went to hell. Uh, and they kicked the Donald off, which is where the Donald.win came from. They moved to their own servers and, and built their own website. But again, they are part of the legacy internet, so they are easy to uh, easy to block. I mean, Cloudflare can say, you know, we're not gonna we're we're gonna block them, or yeah, at uh, some you know, point, they, they could get dropped at, from their ISP yeah. or whatever. 
Yeah, I mean, it, the, the likelihood that at some point in the stack, there's somebody whose uh, support you rely on to continue existing, right. the, the chance of that just becomes high, right? You know, and if you're in that legacy system, again, yeah, whether it, whether it's an ISP or a payments or something, you have a vulnerability that you don't own. So there you go. There's the there's the sort of to juxtapose the the two different ways of handling things. You have the Chinese method, which is very. I mean, you know, you know what's happening. The spades a spade in China. The government. You you know what you can say, what you can't say, and you know who's in charge, right? Right. And I guess now we know who's in charge in America. It's not, you know, it's Google and Apple. And what I'm saying is that we already knew that, but the emperor now absolutely has no clothes for just about everybody, I guess, which is to say that Google and Apple and Microsoft and Amazon work in tandem. Yeah. And if you, you know, whatever their, whatever their sort of single, and I'm going to be um, really frank and just say they have exactly this, you know, they, they have the same ideology. So if you are, uh, I don't know, if you're perceived as a threat to that ideology, they can act at, in unison to completely unperson you from the, the Western internet. Mm-hmm. So uh, not different in that sense from, from China, but um, you certainly, you know, well, you know who's, who's running what in, in China and you know who's running what in America now. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and I mean, they, they've gotten, they got to that place by um, having products that are not necessarily good, but easy to use. And so Google, Gmail, whatever, with their services, Twitter, Facebook. I mean, Facebook, for sure. I mean, it's, it's easy to use and easy to get sort of like sucked sucked in there and especially if you're if you're you've not been yeah i mean and you you will mimic what other people's are doing and using and everything like that so it's um you know they've they've built a very very powerful powerful system around themselves okay so how do we escape obviously everyone knows our answer already but <laughs> i'm gonna i'm gonna talk about it anyway we're not um I, I don't think that you and i are like these uh sort of i don't know i don't, I don't think that you and i are these sort of rabid how can I say this? Um, free speech guys. I, I am, I'm very pro whoever's in, whatever, whoever's in power, whoever has power over me. I am, you know, whatever they say, whatever they say right. goes. But uh, if, if you were the sort of person who also wanted some personal sovereignty to be able to go work out in the dark and, you know, do your own thing without having to worry about, being deplatformed or censored, I guess, uh, as I've said, I, I've said on Twitter that that no um, solution is perfect. Anybody who wants badly enough to shut you up and has the power is is the sovereign in uh, your jurisdiction can do it. But anyway, that's a long way of saying the best solution, in my opinion, is Urbit, and it is not. Uh, despite the fact that what it has, you know, what it has for u- users or what they're calling pilots now, what it has for them is, you know, something like a blog, something like chat, something like Twitter. That's what it has, but that's not what it is. And uh, w- w- one thing that it gives you is it gives you it gives you uh, like a sovereign. So it does give you the sovereignty. And the way that it does that uh, are both both technological and at least at this point cultural. So the techn- technological side is 
the ability to communicate securely, by which I mean, you know, cryptographically, uh, over the AIMS network. Um, it also can communicate with HTTP, but that's not really the, that's that's not the um, sort of peer-to-peer network. The peer-to-peer network would be AIMS. Um, and that's a cryptographically secure way of communicating um, ship-to-ship or orbit-to-orbit. Uh, and there's some kind of um, cool things that I've, I've talked to people around there about. So for instance, let's say that they were, that, you know, you live in a jurisdiction and somebody's able to shut off your access to port 80. I'm not going to, I'm not going to say where that would be. Right. Yeah. But some of us, some of us in the world can't get to our orbits on port 80 because of the good people who run the government. There are possible other ways for orbits to, you know, to, to talk to each other, at least I should say this has nothing to do with port 80, but uh, they have, they have, they're doing packet radio right now. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you know what that is, but packet radio is okay. So, so it's uh, you know just radio waves sending data packets, just like you know you would over the internet. Different protocol, but I, actually they are working on packet radio as we speak. I believe. I, I hopefully I'm not speaking out of place, but uh, and then there's another possibility. Maybe people have heard of some of these apps that uh, the Hong Kong. Um, what are we calling them? What are we calling the rioters? Yeah, the people in Hong Kong. Sure, I mean, the resistance, you, depending on who you are. The yellow team, yeah. Uh, anyway, they were using mesh networks uh, to mm-hmm. communicate. I believe um, mesh networks, you know, just a different kind of network between your phone. That it's kind of like a peer-to-peer, uh, and then the network um, arises sort of uh, anytime anytime the devices in the network get close right. to each other, they they spontaneously create a network. Mm. So there's that side. There's the tech side. Which is interesting. Uh, anything else that I'm missing as far as orbits and and sort of resistance to this kind of thing? Just the fact that you own them. Yeah, um, I, I don't know. You don't have your own yeah, cryptographic it's, it's, ID. It's funny. Like, I mean, just as an aside, because you bring up the um, the Hong Kong protesters, um, the uh, major there's there's such like a hunger for platforms that you can communicate on uh, that fall outside of these things. And um, I mean, the big one for them was actually Animal Crossing the Nintendo game, they would like oh, get, on, yeah. get on there and uh, communicate with each other. So it's like there's there's a lot of inventiveness uh, around these. But I, I, I agree with you. If you want a solution that can can feel pretty, pretty permanent, um, something like something like Urbit feels much better than Animal Crossing. There's yeah, better than Animal Crossing, yeah, um, yeah, and that got banned on main got banned on mainland just for for this for reason, yeah. and also the fact that yeah, also the Hong Kongers were putting some pretty vile messages on their houses or whatever, apparently, right <laughs> about mainland. Yeah, so there's there's you know these these um, secure or let's let's say non traditional protocols like the packet radio and the mesh networks and that kind of thing. That's one. That's one uh, aspect. There's also the fact that you can, if you are sufficiently technologically savvy, run your own Urbit server pretty much anywhere. And you know, it's not something for your boomer dad to do, but I think that any any uh, young person who's grown up with computers and phones ought to be able to do this if you wanted to. It's not. There's no coding involved or anything like that. You just have to learn basically a bare minimum of of linux commands right now in the future it will be much easier but it's not that difficult but what's the other thing the other thing is culture so like i was talking about mastodon earlier and i in my opinion at least they had a pretty garbage culture for Mm -hmm. for for 
well, I mean, for Gab users, for instance, Gab users may be a terrible example because they're, you know, I have my I have my reservations about them anyway, but. Well, they're not going to build. It's it's not a group of people inclined to build anything, right? You know, I mean, it's it's very much like yeah, a right. bunker bunker mentality. You know, yeah, yeah. the the people who are doing that are, um, they are actually hosting. Well, there will be somebody who's hosting the server, right? But as you say, there's no there's nothing that compares to Urbit. Where Urbit is is, uh, there are very few people like you and me, and a whole bunch of people who are actual engineers and, you know, builders, people building things. Right. I guess we're building something. The stack is the the stack is by any measure the greatest podcast that's ever graced the airwaves. But yeah, I, I, I don't know why I'm stating a, a tautology. On uh, the other thing is yeah. So as I was saying, the the culture. The other thing is um, uh, sort of like who we allow, and there is no really who we allow. It's anybody who buys one can have one, right? And I'm perfectly happy, uh, despite the fact that we probably never hang out. I'm perfectly happy to have, you know. Uh, servers or urbits full of right-wing nudist bodybuilders as well as like, you know, Marxist, my little pony fetishists, whatever. You know, the both extremes can hang out there because they never have to interact with one another, right? They can ha- they can have their own little, they can have their own little world. Nobody can kick you off. So you can do uh, pretty much what you want to as long as you don't make an ass of yourself. Right. Uh, by but which even I mean, then you're not you know, even then you're not kicked off. I mean, or you you don't like right, right, lose right. who you are. Um, you right. don't lose your data or anything. People won't talk to you anymore. Right. Nobody will talk to you. So I mean, as long as you're the the only thing, the only punishment that you know from the only technological punishment that can happen to you is that someone says, "I don't want to host you anymore." In which case, you have you know sixty five thousand other options to choose right. from for from for hosts. So as long as they continue to decentralize stars, it would be a bad idea if, if people are hanging on to a thousand stars or something like that, you know? Right. And so there is a culture of, um, okay, I'm going to have maybe two or three stars and host uh, a whole bunch of people, or I'm going to have one star, or I'm going to have no star. But the idea is that the network should be more and more decentralized. Mm-hmm. Um, so the point is that if you uh, are an ass and somebody says, I don't want to be your host anymore. You have more than 65,000 other options. You can just hop over. So that that's sort of, you know, a built-in cultural governance thing. Yeah, and, and this is, this, um, is uh, pretty trying i have been trying this whole conversation not to use the word anti-fragile. So I'm not going to start now. Um, it's a resilient oh system God. again. We- yeah, must never Taleb post. Yeah, no, no Taleb posting. The um, uh, otherwise it'll we'll probably get like blocked or something. Just even for mentioning him yeah. positively. The um, uh, but th- this is something that is resilient against uh, whatever is making you anxious, whether it's government assaults on free speech or from uh. Private sector, from you know, or culture, cancel culture type things. Um, so, so that that's why I think it's really the most elegant solution. Okay, everyone, go get a go get an urban. It it's not hard. I, I, yeah, Taleb, I, yeah, it's it's the Nassim Taleb approved uh, network. So go. Actually, yeah, we've probably just lost five thousand people doing that. Um, it is both the. He both loves and hates Urbit 
depending on the day. Uh, Urbit to let me let me just say Urbit is like squid ink pasta, friends. Squid ink pasta. Um, yeah, we should, we should get him on here, uh, one of these days. Um, I think I, 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 I think he lives in Atlanta now. Go ahead. Um, sorry. He does live in Atlanta now. Oh, let's not, uh, let's not get on to Taleb. We got to get yeah. off Taleb. Uh, sorry. Take, I went, I went out. too, take, I went take, too far take with Taleb. Out. Take this out. <laughs> the, um, leave that in. I'm leaving it in. Le- leave I'm just that urging in, people. Take, take this out. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I think it's it's interesting. I mean, I'd say the tenor of conversation over the last several days has been very different. I mean, um, people who are definitely not very online mentioning that they're getting off Facebook uh, themselves and increasingly troubled by uh, some of the things that are going on. So I, I think it's um, it's going to be it's going to be inter- interesting days going forward. Yeah, I'll say it again. It's time to get on Urban. Uh, it's not for everybody, but but it's for you. It will be. Yeah, it's for you, the listener. Thank you for listening. Please visit us at www.thestack.link or find us on Twitter at thestack.link, all one word. And please remember to like and subscribe on SoundCloud and iTunes. I'm Josh, and with Andy, we are the Stack. <laughs>